Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Dilly Algema to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. How are you doing, Dilly? Hi, Nick. Um, I'm very good. How are you? I am in fine fettle. I am in fine fettle. It's lovely. As ever, kick things off with a question. Uh-huh. And there's no admin this week, no arguing. This is my question, all right? It's my goddamn question. <laughs> Right, Dilly, here you go. I've been waiting two weeks for this. Mm-hmm. Dilly, do you enjoy shopping in Germany? Mm, do you want to be more specific? I was thinking like generally just going into shops and knocking about and buying stuff. But is there a difference between grocery shopping and like clothes shopping or going to DM or Rossmann to buy uh, deodorants and perfumes mm-hmm. <laughs> and toothpaste? <laughs> I guess that's what you get in those shops, right? <laughs> Do you not have different routines in different shops? So like if I go to the supermarket, I have my list mm-hmm. and I know which aisle I need to go down. But then if I go to Thalia and if the powers that be of Thalia are listening, <laughs> it's a shop that I enjoy going into because they have like a English book section mm-hmm. and then they have tea, mm-hmm. little toys and things. Thalia is the bookshop, right? Yeah. And then there's chocolate and there's mugs and the DVDs. And I I end up going all over the place, Mm -hmm. even if I'm not buying something. It seems to be a shop that sells books and any other shit that they can find to put on a stand. Like there's always seems to be Snoopy memorabilia seems to be a big one. Mm -hmm. Always Snoopy Mm -hmm. memorabilia. Um, Mm -hmm. Something with like, like a mug with like cutesy babies on it or something there's always something yeah, like that like nice cards um uh, magnifying glasses i think the reason i ask is it's often one of the bugbears that people complain about and i've never really had that concern about about shopping in germany the only problem i have is going to supermarkets and not being able to find anything because the the way they organize supermarkets is not the same as it is in britain yeah true you sort of get used to it right but the actual like, experience of shopping in Germany is generally positive, you'd say? Or do you have qualms about customer service or people being rude to you? Or... My one is always holding doors open for people, right? I have qualms. I do. Now that you remind me. <laughs> That's what I'm here oh, for. Jesus Christ. Yeah, go on. Oh, you've opened, you've opened the floodgates. Here we go. Nick. Can of worms opened. Like recently I was in the Skyline Plaza and there's like a shopping mall in Frankfurt mm-hmm. and I was hanging around Lush. Do you know what Lush is? Yeah, that's the shop where the, the people in the shop can't leave you alone. They're desperate to be next to you and ask you lots of questions about your purchases. That's my experience of Lush. Yes. And it's a shop that you can smell from like the next building. <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> Is that lavender? No, it's just Lush. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that shop and I, I was waiting for my boyfriend so I was just hanging around not really buying anything mm. and it was the weekend and I had my like sweatpants maybe I maybe it's my own fault sweatpants under a winter jacket so you couldn't really see that there were sweatpants mm-hmm. anywhere anyway it was one of those you know relaxed Saturday mornings I walk into Lush and I'm like looking at all the things I'm not stiffing anything even and I can see this sales lady she's like shadowing me and she walks in the same direction, takes a step back, moves next to me. And I realize that she thinks I'm going to nick something. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. I realize it's also your name, Nick. Yeah, that definitely <laughs> hasn't happened to me. It's happened to me like once or twice or thrice. 
I've even got free bread from a bakery because I made a complaint. Fucking right on. <laughs> Last week. Too right? Yes. You were trailed in a bakery. I was treated very rudely in a bakery. Really? Um, can I tell you Yo, this? Oh, yeah, please do. So um, it's a bakery in Merseburg, mm-hmm. which is the town I teach in. There's one customer inside. It's at the train station. So it's not like the huge palace bakery that you, in your, of your dreams. It's, it's an ordinary mm. bakery. There's one customer... And because she's being served, I go off looking at the sandwiches. And what I don't see is that there is an entire queue behind me. Mm-hmm. And then the woman, it's my turn. And she goes, um, so uh, who's next? And I raise my hand. There are like people scattered all over the shop. But then it's my turn. And then she looks at me and she goes, you should have stood on the other side. I'm like, hey. I realize that she's like, you know, using her little... Authority as mm. a bakery salesperson, okay, good for her. Mm. We've all been there, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've all had the uh, the our thirst for power quenched by being given control of the bakery queue. You know, mm. I, that's what we want, right? <laughs> that's what, that's what we yearn for. <laughs> To tell people off on their queuing abilities, I pay with ten euros, and she she scowls at me and she puts it in that counterfeit machine. Oh, that is that is the most passive aggressive. Like it is a very passive aggressive, like fuck you, isn't it? It's it's a very big fuck you. And then, as if she hadn't been scowling at me the whole time, she asks me if I had like ten cents or something. I had ten cents, but you know what? I'm a petty queen when I have to be. I said no. So she had to count out the little notes and coins, yeah. and I thought, yeah, that's my victory. Sucked that. And then you complained. But it happened again at the same bakery with the same woman. She sees me and she sticks my notes in her little machine. Yeah. And I asked her whether she's um, actually like caught anyone <laughs> buying bread because of it. No. Oh yeah, that's the way you do it. Out of curiosity, have you ever actually caught anyone? And the thing is, I mean, it's a simple yes or no question. As well, has it ever happened? You know. But she goes, um, uh. "I'm supposed to do this. It's my responsibility." You know, it's a very defensive answer, mm. which means it's not your responsibility <laughs> or, you know. And so I wrote an email and I got a voucher for a free bread. That's not bad. And an apology. Good, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife had a, a moment at the bakery. It seems to be bakeries are a, a sort of vector for terrible customer service. I love rusticana bread, like those sort of French stick type things. Mm-hmm. They make mm-hmm. amazing sandwiches and that's basically why I buy them. I buy them oh, at weekends because yes, mm-hmm. I... Um, I'll make a ridiculously large kind of Scooby-Doo-like sandwich every Saturday at lunchtime. <laughs> That's become my my dad thing, right? And my wife asked, and I mean, I heard the, the reply, and the reply seemed very much like there isn't any rusticana, so we're like, fine. And then my wife then proceeded to order some other stuff, and then she ordered, like a, I think it was a normal baguette. And the woman just went, uh, in a really ratty voice, I told you that they were in the back. And we both went, whoa, <laughs> totally say, whoa, this is uh, an extreme reaction to uh, the simple purchase of some bread. And my, my wife has this very special tone. I call the gymnasium tone. When it gets in the voice, you know, you know, you're done fucked up. Right. And she said, well, and I was like, what do you think? <laughs> I don't, but I'll Deutsch, it was more like, okay, or something like that. And I was like, it's going to go badly. And uh, she was like, I didn't actually hear what you said. And the woman was uh, suddenly became very apologetic and very nice. We didn't get any free bread, though. But mm-hmm. there was a, an acknowledgement that 
the way the woman the counter had responded was perhaps not the optimum shall we say i see but i can't do that i can't complain unless it's really extreme Mm. I don't like complaining about people who work in the service industry. That's just me. Mm. I think in your mm. example, I probably would have reached the point where I'm like, ah, you're taking the piss now because no one ever does that really like checks my notes or anything <laughs> like that. So I'd be like, oh, and if I got shouted at, then they did that a combination of things. But I might potentially send an email, but I'd never directly confront them. I feel like I would be a bit nervous about doing that. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think the email approach is the right way. Yeah. I mean, overall, though, shopping in Germany isn't so bad, right? No, not really. I mean, I've had a couple of instances, like at H&M or at Vodafone. Mm. I mean, at Vodafone, I got yelled at. Oh, yeah, I think you said. told to get out of the shop. Yeah. <laughs> so, apart from these instances, I mean, yeah, it's a nice experience. Yeah. But, like, the not nice experiences are, like, you know, the crowd in this extreme mm -hmm. And that's not very comfortable. Like few and far between. But I speak to people and they get upset about the, the fact that the people in Lidl weren't very nice to them. And I'm like, like that's their job is to be really shitty. Like, come on. Like, what do you want from them? Really? <laughs> yeah. Is that is that like a like a popular complaint? I think a lot of people get very upset with the kind of customer service in the discounters in Lidl and Aldi. Oh, no. I've always had very good experiences there, I must say. I've had a moderate experiences, which is all I really expect. So I'm not expecting more than that. What's supposed to be the bad experience or what was the moderate experience for you? Not being particularly sort of friendly, but I can live with that. I like That's what I'd expect and that's fine. Hmm. But when you come from somewhere that has always perceived to have excellent customer service, like a country mm -hmm. that where customer service is a little bit extreme and over the top, I think some people... I'm being very careful with my language here in case I offend any listeners. <laughs> but I think some people get a bit upset about it. A bit, maybe a bit more oh, upset okay. than is necessary. Like, I kind of okay. enjoy it when Germans are shitty to me. But then, as everyone knows, I've got very weird masochistic peccadillos. So, okay. what are you going to do? <laughs> it's like, little do you know that I'm getting excited about this. <laughs> oh, well. Moving on from shitty customer service, what do you do about like just shitty people in general? I had a rather negative experience over the weekend where I was in a, again, I have to be careful because people I know listen to this podcast and may be able to ascertain exactly what I was doing. But I was at a birthday party and we were a large group of people and we were conversing and there was two things that were an indicator that the people I'm with aren't necessarily the greatest. And mm -hmm. uh, one of them was, do you know when you've got a group of people and everyone orders loads of different stuff and the waiter comes around and goes, did anyone order this? And they have to like shout and they have to like direct everyone's attention and go like, did you order the, who ordered the spetsy? Who ordered this? And no one responds. Like I find- Is that you? No, like I always know what I've ordered and I'm always waiting for it. So uh, like yeah. when they come up and go, who ordered the Hellas? My hand's already like grabbing the, the beer out of the hands or who ordered this pizza? I think you'd make a very nice table companion. <laughs> Thank go you on. very much. I've often You're thought welcome. the same thing about you, Dilly. Uh, Thank it's you. It's why we work so well together. Mm -hmm. But there was just like a sort of ignoring the wait staff as if they're like- yeah. Like sort of you sound slaves. attentive. Yeah, I just don't I, like that. I appreciate that. So that, that was the first indicator that, that there was something up. Uh, mm -hmm. But I was in 
we talked about my privileges last week and I think this is maybe me discovering where my privileges end. Uh, like people would ask me questions in German and I would respond in German and because my sentence wasn't quite as fast or I was a little bit more thoughtful about my answer, they'd literally start talking to other people next to them as I'm answering. Like I find it difficult in those like really large social situations to speak German. It's the total flip side of how I communicate in English. And I was a bit nervous about like, oh, my grammar and have I understood everything? Yeah. And I always feel like I'm, I'm fucking it up. But then like, I felt like really small. It made us feel really small. And I was like, what do you do? Like if it was in English, I would be like, yeah, what the fuck mm. are you doing? But I didn't feel like I could yeah. even say that. Like maybe it was a cultural thing or maybe I misunderstood or maybe I'd missed the timing of the conversation or maybe they thought I was finished or, and it just filled me with lots of neuroses and a lack of confidence. And I was wondering I'm what- I'm so sorry. Well, I mean, these things happen. We live and learn, right? No. But I'm, I mean, I'm not going to dwell on it, but I would like to know what you would do in that, in that kind of situation. I mean, I'm also thinking maybe the other person's attention span just never developed after they've turned two or something. Maybe they watch too much TikTok. <laughs> Next video. Flip, Next flip. flip, flip, flip. Next conversation. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, can I be sarcastic? It depends on the crowd. I'd be like, no, that's okay. I'll just talk to my hand or something. So the producer has suggested that the possible reason I was having problems is maybe I put the verb in the wrong place. But, you know, that might sound funny, but it's also maybe slightly accurate. <laughs> I'm always concerned about where I put the verb and always where, the, where I put the verb to be in a sentence. Yeah, yeah. I'm always like, I, I, there's no better delight than placing sign in the right place in a sentence. And it's going, yes, I did it. And you can feel like the angel singing and it's only in my head. But like, yeah, that's just me. I mean, would you like roll your eyes and shrug at any person who's looking at you then just to indicate like, hey, what was that? Did you see that too kind of thing? What I'd like to do is what I do in English, either to call it out or to mutter audibly under my breath, you fucking prick. <laughs> 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 but if I said that, I feel like that would probably be the worst thing, but I would like to be able to do that. But my swear words in German, is though, although I know them, I only know all the really bad ones. Yeah. So I can't really unleash those. It would feel like not to 60 kind of situation. And the other thing is, like, I, I don't know whether I, calling it out would help or, like, saying, like, was es los bei dir? Ich habe nicht meinen Satz um, fertig gemacht, oder? Ich habe meinen Satz nicht geändert. Yeah, geendet is the richtige word. Oder yeah, beendet. Yeah. Yeah. I was, like, made finished. I was, like, maybe that's the way to say it. Fertig gemacht. <laughs> you can, Nick, like, uh, I mean, if you're the attentive person at the table, then you are also probably the person who hands out pairs of cutlery with the napkin, right? Mm -hmm. Ah, there you go. See, kindred spirits, I, I, I do the same thing. You know, to that person, I would give like two forks or something. That's exactly, I was going to say, you're going to say give them two forks. Yeah, I would. Yeah. That's actually a really yeah, good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. That really, that really yeah. helps. You just so you sleep easier, you know, because yeah. that's what matters. Or, right, when they're not looking, just stick a fork in their eye. <laughs> <laughs> or you could like, you know, do the salt shaker thing or like put sugar on their schnitzel. Oh, they were all wearing like tan trousers. What I should have done is got a glass of water, pretend to fall over and spilled it all over the front of the trousers. Oh, it's so <laughs> obvious now. Oh man, next time I'm just going to call you and we can just talk it out. We're going to talk it out. I can talk it out yeah. on the phone and then go back with a strategy of just like, just embarrass yeah. them. Just make them look really bad. Yeah. I'm sure that's not the mature way to do it. And I guess the mature way was how I dealt with it by just going, oh, okay. 
<laughs> just moving on. But, I guess I'm boring now. Yeah, I guess that's how it is. But it's so langweilig. I mean, what is the mature way of dealing with these people? Why are we supposed to be the mature people? That's kind of where I'm at. I always feel like there's lots of situations I find myself in where the high road is always the least satisfying option. And what you want to go is like low road as much as possible and be really snide. But mm-hmm. I don't know if I would feel any better about it. Maybe it's I never really do it. So maybe it is the satisfying option is to, to be like a right snide prick. You see people do that in shops or like in the out in the world where they're just a bit snide. And I'm like, I wonder mm-hmm. if they're having a better time than I am. Like when something happens or they experience something negative and they do something quite snidey mm. or passive aggressive. I always wonder like, have they got the answers? Is that how you're meant to do it? I, I believe that we have to work it out of our system, else we are going to dwell on it and it's going to bring us down. So, I mean, we can't all have heart-to-hearts uh, with our spouses and yeah. partners, relatives. So, snide remarks. Well, I did cut all the brake cables before I left. So, I mean, that did make me feel a bit better. But <laughs> <laughs> Slash their tyres. No. Uh, that would definitely be too much. But, yeah. I thought you might be the person to ask. I'm gonna. Well, well, what I'll do next time is I'll just give you a call and then we can work out. You do that. Uh, we do it like one of those Denzel Washington movies <laughs> where I can tell you what to do next. You get an earpiece and you're like, say this, say mm-hmm. this, say this. <laughs> How do they react? Was it bad? <laughs> yeah, good. Okay. <laughs> it's an option. Oh, dear me. Uh, well, dear listener, there isn't a Berlin Berlin update because I haven't had time to watch it. So um, I'm not going to um, burden you with me pretending that I've watched Berlin Berlin. Yeah, I know, the producer is very upset about that. But I'm sure he'll survive, just like you. Uh, instead, I want to talk about something that's really exciting, that's kind of in the process of beginning in Germany, which is the glorious period of fashion, or carnival, as it's known in some areas. Fashing, of course, is the period just before Fastenzeit um, when you, well, it's essentially Lent, where you give stuff up before Easter. And it is a, an opportunity for everyone to go a little bit crazy uh, and have a little bit of madness in their mm-hmm. otherwise very ordinary German lives. I could give you the history of it, but, geez, we haven't got the time. So let's <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk a bit about fashing uh, this year which is i guess the first proper fashion since the end of the pandemic if we can say that i'm always worried about saying end of pandemic but it's not the end of the it's pandemic. not the, the easing of the pandemic was that better the third or the fourth year of the pandemic yeah, the, okay uh, there isn't any lockdowns so the the carnival will probably be a little bit more meaty this is obviously laughable to talk about the beginning of carnival uh, in February, because the people of Dusseldorf and Köln have been celebrating it since the Elfte Elfte, the uh, 11th of November, when their fifth season or the carnival season, fashion season begins for them. But the really big events will occur on uh, Rosen, is it Rosenmontag mm-hmm. and uh, Faschingsdienstag. And the reason I'm excited about it, because it's my daughter's first fashion that she's going to get to enjoy. And Aww. she's got a gorgeous monkey costume, which... I didn't cry when I saw her wearing it, but there was a moment where if it had been some kind of TV show, I would have turned away from the camera and gone, that's beautiful. 
Uh, and it was it was a really nice moment. I've also got a costume which I'm not going to reveal on air. Um, you have to wait and see some photographs that will probably be appearing uh, in, the, mm-hmm. in the next few weeks to see what my costume is. But yeah, we're very excited for Kinder Fashing, and I was curious, Dilly. Oh, since Fashing's kicking off here in Augsburg, I've got to assume Fashing's kicking off in Saxony Anhalt where you are. So. What's fashion like um, in your neck of the woods? Oh fuck me, <laughs> Nick! I thought I, you know. I think you wanted to start with the history of fashion. All oh, right, do you want me to now go through the history of fashion? You, you're breaking up, Nick. Ah, <laughs> oh, oh, these mics. Honestly, uh, we're not talking about sport. Jeez, you'd think. <laughs> you'd think. You know, you spring this sort of thing on me, and then I feel like Jesus Christ, I'm the most uncool person who's ever been on a podcast. I'm not worthy of being here. I don't like sports. I do not like loud gatherings of drunk people. That's that's a reasonable position to take, I would say. Thank you. Thank you for validating my feelings. Does that mean that there isn't a fashion event in your in your town or is that just mean you're not going to a fashion event? Oh no, no, of course not. I think in my town like they'd celebrate weekends if they could. <laughs> It's it's that kind of spirit. <laughs> they always find something to celebrate. Oh, let's invite the Tartot actor. And, you know, that goes on for a week and that sort of thing. So, no, I'm sure they people will turn out in throws. But, you know, if you have a party and if you invite me, I'd probably sit next to the potted plant. What about kinder fashion, though? I mean, there's not going to be a lot of drunk. I mean, I'm not saying there won't be any drunk people. I'm just saying there'll be fewer drunk people. Uh-huh. Like, I assume there's some drunk people. Uh, the kinder I'd fashion. assume there'd be one drunk people. <laughs> well, when, when I go to kinder fashion, there's definitely going to be one drunk person. <laughs> My daughter, she just can't lay off the booze. It's terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> I get my experience of fashion would be slightly different because I do like loud, drunken crowds to a point. I, I thought maybe your beef with it might be that it's a bit too much like organized fun. I, I, I'm not a noise person. I mean, if there's a wedding reception and the music is too loud, I'd still sit by the potted plant somewhere. Well, I know you, you're not a big fan of drinking and... And gatherings. I kind of had this image of you, Dilly, as like someone who might like to get like dressed up in a fun costume. You seem like the sober, fun costume wearer type to me. And Have I totally misjudged you? I think you have. I don't get dressed up. I have makeup that I buy and I don't use it for five years, so I have to buy new stuff to not use for five years. We're not all blessed with the same excellent genetics as you are, Dilly. Aww, but, so stop, sh- stop showing off on the podcast, <laughs> all right? It's really, it's just making us all feel bad. Me and Simon with our pockmarked faces. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether Simon appreciates you speaking for him at this moment. <laughs> The producer doesn't have a voice. I am the voice of the producer. He's nodding his head, listener. He's agreeing with me. He's grateful. Um, I, I, this is the thing. I don't feel like I'm fun or cool enough to be on the podcast when you ask this stuff. I don't think it. Do you think carnival's cool? Is that what the cool kids do? I mean, it sounds like it. I mean, you're excited. I'm excited simply because it's something that I know my daughter's going to think is amazing and just have a really good time. Mm-hmm. Given that I've been here for almost 13 years, it's the first fashion that I've dressed up for. Okay, nice. Uh, the first fashion I ever went to, that was my feeling was like, oh God, there's nothing worse than organized fun. Or like someone's, mm-hmm. someone on high has said, you are allowed to have fun and now you can do <laughs> it. And then 
I remember distinctly going back to Britain and it was just a Friday night and it was just, it was more insane than fashing. There was like Friday night in Newcastle, people dressed as superheroes. There was a load of French maids at the bar really loud. There was mm -hmm. like a, a guy uh, losing his breakfast, lunch and dinner in the toilets. And I was like, oh, right, we have fashing just on Friday night and this is... It's maybe better the German way rather than the, the British approach of like, mm -hmm. let's just abuse ourselves with alcohol as much as possible. So I began to understand it a bit more from that. But at the same time, it does feel like anything goes in fashion. We can do what we want. And it's all a little bit. That's not how it is? Nah, I mean, it is, but I'm not sure how good that is necessarily. Didn't you call it organized fun? Well, yeah, that's kind of how I perceived it, how people would perceive it, could perceive it. Um, I've certainly had conversations with people who were like, oh, this is the time of year where Germans are allowed to have fun. And I kind of felt that that was a little bit negative. But certainly when it comes to offices, because you have, mm -hmm. um, is that, is it Weiberfastnacht, which is the like mm -hmm. women's day or something like that. And if you go to work with a tie on, the women in the office can cut off your tie I remember going to the office with a tie on, forgetting that was what it was, and someone came up to us with scissors, and I went, if you cut my tie off, it's not going to go well for you. And they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I felt a little bit bad about it, but at the same time, I was like, that just seems like you're doing this because you want to seem wacky and fun. And I had quite a negative opinion of it. But now I kind of, maybe it's because it's not been around for so long, I've kind of grown to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. What I found quite interesting is there was a lot of reports in Munich about various events that were fashion-related in the weekend just gone. And there was a lot of things happening. There was like a, a white ball for over 40s. There mm -hmm. was also like a debutante ball. And I was like, is that a thing that still exists? What? Yeah, like so like they had these sort of geeky-looking lads in tuxedos and these debutantes essentially and i was like is that something that people do really like it's a very odd in germany yeah that's what i thought i thought it was kind of like an upper class american thing but it's mm. somehow connected to fashion whether it's just in coincidence or whether it's it's always at the same time and there was a couple of other events but the big thing that started kicking off this week are the fashion tv shows Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if you've ever come across one of these. They are very much organized fun in a lot of ways, but they can okay. also veer into hilarity um, intentionally and unintentionally. There's a big famous one in Nuremberg that they have. Have you seen that before, maybe? Mm -mm. All right. So basically, it's uh, I think it's a couple of hours long, and mm -hmm. it's performances uh, that range from like skits and poetry, the stand-up comedians, there's dancers, mm. very particular kind of dancers, almost like can-can dancers, but they're sort of dressed as in these garish, semi-militaristic costumes. Uh, yeah, I mean, say, I say semi-militaristic. They don't look like they're in the military. They're all like bright mm -hmm. pink and stuff, you know, but they've got like okay. epaulettes and like one of those kind of tall sort of rifleman's hats and stuff like that. So okay. there, is, there is that element to it. And they're doing that can-can okay. dancing. But the big part of it usually is some kind of satirical 
piss take of politicians because there's always politicians in the audience. Mm. So oh, okay. uh, the minister president of Bavaria is very famous for for his fashion costumes where, uh, you'll, you'll love this, he dressed up as Shrek. Oh God, this is Marcus Söder. This is Marcus Söder. He, he once oh. dressed up as Shrek. He once dressed up as... Uh, Ludwig II, and of course, there was the year he dressed up as Gandhi. Oh, Jesus. I know this. He keeps reposting his photographs on Twitter or something. And one of them is Gandhi. Yes, with a brown face. Mm. And he still, to the day, doesn't know why he shouldn't have done it. But the thing that has kicked off today that was that I've enjoyed immensely watching, so there's a fashion mm-hmm. TV show that is on uh, in Aachen, and it's televised, and the centerpiece, or at least the thing that everyone is discussing today, is the fact that the FDP politician, uh, this is a big name, by the way, Marie Agnes mm. Strack Zimmerman. She's a member of the government. She's got connections with the defense ministry, as it, like she's on the defense mm-hmm. committee or something like that. She was touted as a potential replacement for uh, the outgoing minister of defense mm-hmm. who left a couple of weeks ago. And um, she did a very typical performance of a, a poem that she'd written herself mm-hmm. that was basically taking the piss out of opposition leader Frederick Mertz, which like, Ooh. which is fine. Like that's quite normal that, that you have comedians and politicians taking the piss out of each other. The yeah. bit that was so choice, the chef's kiss moment of it all was when the camera mm-hmm. panned to Frederick Mertz and he looked like someone who'd had the jam stolen from his donut. He looked so <laughs> unhappy, so angry about it. And honestly, it was so choice. Like, oh, it was beautiful. Oh. And and I was thinking about it. It's like, in Britain, if you were seen not to be able to laugh at yourself, it's a massive negative. I'd never thought about it in Germany in that way. But I wonder mm. maybe if that is a thing that they have in Germany mm. where if you have a, don't have a sense of humor, then you're less of a person. Is that something that you think is important to German people particularly? Like a good sense of humour or? This is a very dangerous question. Yeah, yeah. But I'm curious <laughs> as to what you think. I mean, that's absolutely right. I mean, we often have politicians who are able to laugh at themselves. There should also be like the mark of a good politician, right? When you respond to questions and comments and satire. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen German politicians actually engaging with humour. Uh, at criticism. I'd say Strax Zimmerman's the only one I've seen give a speech where I actually belly laughed when she said something. Okay. Like, it's rare that you see them sort of making jokes. Usually the jokes are, like, funny to them, but no one else. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you see them go, ha, 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 and no one else is laughing. I don't think I know this from Sri Lanka either. Mm. I mean, there, if you are seen as critiquing the government or politicians, I mean, they will find some reason or the other to arrest you and... That sort of thing. <laughs> that's yeah. That's that's a different kind of kind of punishment, right? <laughs> this is interesting because I I mean I thought it was funny when people like Marcus Söder do silly things in the sense of um, you know he hugged a tree. Yeah, I remember that picture. Yeah. But I, that's not in the sense of fun. He wasn't laughing. If we were laughing, that's because nobody has ever actually hugged a tree before him. It looked very earnest. This tree hugging, far more <laughs> earnest than you would expect it. <laughs> Like he looked, he looked like a real photo op kind of. Like it was among the photos of him holding like a sausage or a beer. I think there's another one where he's like cradling a sheep or something, and then it was him hugging a tree. Ah, right. No, cradling a piglet. Mm. 
I was thinking like I was kind of sad that I can't do Photoshop because I'd like to wrap his legs around the tree as well. Uh, well, if he wasn't laughing when he was hugging the tree, he's not going to laugh when you put him through Photoshop <laughs> and various Instagram filters. But I wonder, I mean, I guess this is something that we're going to have to take a look at, but I wonder if this is like quite damaging. It's the first time I'd ever come across it where I was like, oh, like even with Merkel, when she would get the piss ripped out of her by a comedian or other politicians, mm. even Marcus Soto was like, it was a wry smile. Like he wasn't mm. laughing along, but he was like, mm. nah, I get the joke, right? But this image of Mertz in the crowd was just like stony faced. Like, how dare you make fun of me for the stupid shit that I've said? And I just thought, well, is that something that is actually important to people when, and seeing the reaction of some of his supporters online and in the media, you'd think mm-hmm. that he should like shot at him or something. The fact that the man can't laugh or understand a joke doesn't come as a surprise to me. No, it really doesn't, no. And I don't think his followers are the, I mean, would like, you know, wouldn't they be the same? Well, the other sort of funny side of it was that last week he was talking loudly about a joke he made about the Lazio Generation protesters, mm-hmm. last generation protesters, mm-hmm. environmental protesters who've been like blocking roads and doing other sorts of things to uh, highlight the climate crisis. And mm. uh, they interrupted one of his speeches and he made some quip about how two protesters had missed their appointment in court for protesting because they'd gone mm. on holiday to Bali. That's true. And he said something along the lines of like, oh, yeah. just, why don't you wait until your friends from Bali come back from holiday? And everyone in the audience was like, ah, oh, <laughs> and there was loads of people tweeting about it going, ah, oh, it's a great joke. Ah, oh, oh, Mitch does it again. You know, uh, there was a Velt journalist who was like, every, every shot was a hit is what he said. Like every like joke oh, he was, was landed and it was like, they were all sort of praising him. And then to see them flip within about four days to like, this is not funny. We should be treating our opposition leaders with respect. Um, um, (laughs) Shrek Zimmerman should be ashamed of how she's behaved. And I'm like, oh, right. And again, that said something to me in Britain, if you can give it, but you can't take it, that's a massive negative, you know? And I was wondering if, does it have the same resonance in Germany? Maybe it does. Mm. And if so, how bad does that look if you can't like every employer I've worked for who can't take a joke has always been a massive shit. And I think it sort of speaks to something quite integral in a person if they can't just laugh at their own stupidity. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess we'll have to see when the next uh, Bundestagwahl Umfrage comes out (laughs) on Sunday. Maybe there's a massive drop. (laughs) I mean, even Johnson, I mean, uh, Boris Johnson, I mean, the man is a walking joke. I mean, he's a caricature of himself. Mm. And I think it's something that he maintains quite uh, quite on purpose, right? The hair, the uh, the unironed, misfitting clothes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's all a, a facade. Like, yeah. It's a facade. It's an act. And I mean, even he can laugh at himself and go along with it, right? I think he'd be smart enough to know if he was in that position, he would have laughed. He would have gone, <laughs> mm. <laughs> he probably inside would have been like, I am going to murder you, but. Yeah, like, probably. T- it would yeah. definitely have had the nouse to laugh. And I was just surprised that he didn't even have the intelligence just to laugh along and pretend he was thought it was funny. Yeah. And, and I, I think it is one of the benefits of fashing that yeah, these kind definitely. of moments arise, right? I think it's one mm. of the bonuses. So maybe it is organized fun, but every so often there's a hit. There is a hit. Some <laughs> shots are fired. Actually, I, I think I'm warming up to the idea of fashing and having this stage and opportunity for more things. We don't have anything like it in Britain. And it is to do a lot, I think, with 
Catholicism more than anything else because we mm. we went all uh, Anglican and so we got yeah. rid of all the sort of saints days and all the kind of celebrations but the idea of the world turned upside down and sort of making fun of your betters and they have the I think it's in Dusseldorf they have the procession and the um, Faschingsumzug with the satirical floats and stuff like that so I, God knows what's going to come this year but um It'll be interesting to see if Mertz features among the caricatures on the in, in Dusseldorf. Um, we probably won't laugh at that either. Dilly, are you a big mountain climber? I hike. I will not say I don't. Where is this going? <laughs> I like how you think this is a police interrogation. And it is! Uh, where were you on the night of the 5th? The reason I ask is there was a, a story over the weekend... And I'll post a link to the article on Süddeutsche Zeitung. And it was, the title is, Wie zwei Enfänger aus München am Watzmann scheitern. Uh-oh. And it is a story about two mountain climbers, one of whom was a beginner, and they attempted to climb the Watzmann, which is one of Germany's most dangerous mountains. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got to props to the guy who, on his first go at mountain climbing, is like, I am going to climb the most dangerous mountain in Germany. And they ended up requiring a rescue team to get them down. Some statistics, so you know, on the Watzmann. Uh-huh. It is a, a mountain in the Birgitzgarten Alps. I've driven past it. It's a beautiful, a beautiful piece of mountain. It looks beautiful. It's the third highest in Germany and the highest located entirely on German territory because, of course, the Alps cross many, many Mm -hmm. different countries. It has three main peaks. They are the Mm -hmm. Hocheck, which is 2,651 metres, the Mittelspitze, Mm -hmm. which is the middle peak, 2,713 metres, and the Südspitze, which I've got to say I do enjoy saying with a bit of a Schwabish kick, and that's the south peak at 2,712 metres. It is a big beast. It also includes other areas like the Watzmannfrau, which is the Watzmannwife, it's also known as the Kleiner Watzmann, and there's the Watzmann Kinder, and these are the lower peaks in mm. the uh, the recesses among the main peaks. So there's a lot of peaks going on, but it's a big old piece of mountain, and this uh, these two gentlemen decided to give it a good crack, and eventually found that they uh, were lost in the uh, fog, and they had to call in the rescue team. I guess now is the opportunity to tell them all the things they did wrong. So, Dilly, what do you make of this story of beginner climbers trying the most dangerous mountain in the country? Um, I mean, women are always called ambitious in the negative sense. I think I'm going to use this opportunity <laughs> to say ambitious back. And uh, Nick, I, I, I mean, I read the story. I saw the mm. mountains. They're beautiful. Did you get to the bit in the article where they say that they actually called the rescue <laughs> yeah. team or yeah. the helpline. But they said, we don't want to be rescued. We're just wondering how much it would cost if we were to request for help. I mean, <laughs> Jesus, ask for help when you need it, man. It's a really bloke attempt at indirectly asking for help in the hope that they don't actually have to say, we need help. And they're like, uh, so theoretically, we're not lost, we're okay, but theoretically, if we were lost, hypothetically, hypothetically speaking, how much it would it cost to be rescued? Um, yeah, I think at that point they must have known they were on the wrong end of the mountain. I mean, it's one of those things where it's not just that it's 
one of the tallest and one of the most dangerous. But the, it's also the weather was, uh, we had a massive deluge of snow on the Alps this weekend. There was an avalanche that killed a number of people mm-hmm. um, further into Austria, I think. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of dangers up in those of their mountains. And to be sort of a beginner and to go, yep, yeah, I'm going up there, is, it shows a lot of, well, that's what I thought of as the perfect example of overconfident men. Overconfident <laughs> and also completely unprepared and, I mean, with not much common sense. Nope. I mean, I was thinking about it. So under very terrible conditions, in the middle of bloody winter, mm-hmm. they are stuck on some mountain. Mm-hmm. And one is a first-time mountain climber. Mm-hmm. They use the phone to essentially prank call the authorities. <laughs> I carry an external, I don't know, like something to charge my phone with in my backpack all the time mm. in case something happens, you know. I have a flashlight in my backpack. That's how prepared I am yeah. every day. What I liked is the response from the rescue team was to describe the man as Abentoya Lustig, which is to say adventurous. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> It's like that's kind of like when a British person says, "Ah, interesting," and actually they mean anything but. But yeah, they seemed pretty impressed just to a certain extent that they had attempted to climb this. But I think the thing that was most shocking, and I thought a lot about my brother-in-law Christoph, who is a big fan of the mountains, because mm-hmm. one of the things that they were unable to do was to get the helicopter out because of the low visibility. So they had to send mountaineers up the mountain which is basically putting mm. other people's lives in danger to get to sort of rescue you. Yeah. And all I had ringing in my ears was my brother-in-law who would be going absolutely spare. Like if he heard that I'd gone up a mountain and had to be rescued, he probably mm. wouldn't talk to me for a few months. Do you know why? Because good old Christoph is a man of the mountains. <laughs> is he a man of the mountains? He is much a man of the mountains. I'm, I'm glad that you're getting to know uh, Nick's brother-in-law, Christoph, a little bit more today. Yeah. Do tell, Nick. Yeah, so he, whenever we go in the mountains, whenever we go mountain climbing, whenever we go up, uh, walking up a mountain, he's the man with the plan. He's got the map. He can read the map. Does he stick his finger in his mouth to see which way the wind he, is blowing? He doesn't need to, you know. He like, sniffs Ooh. the air and he knows which way's north. He's He's got the skills, right? He also has two compasses and a pen knife, just in case. <laughs> he comes prepared. Oh, I like the sounds of that. He always has the best kit. He always has the best boots. I'm always like looking at him going, ah, that's the bit that I need. Like I've modeled all my walking kit on all of his stuff. So I've got like mm-hmm. the slightly less expensive version of everything he has. <laughs> and he loves it. He loves the outdoors. He's a real big outdoorsy guy. Uh-huh. But we really got to sort of know each other's abilities on the mountains, not just in the Alps, but when we went to the US and we did, I think we were in Yosemite. Mm-hmm. I remember distinctly the end of the day as we were making it down the mountain and we were sort of male bonding about the fact of how knackered we were and how much effort we had put in and how great it was mm-hmm. and how we were going to go swim in the lake at the bottom. And he kept saying, we are going to swim in the lake though, aren't we, Nick? And I was like, yeah, we are. This is going to be great. And as we got to the bottom of the mountain, there's this couple walking up and it was about to get dark and they were wearing flip-flops and they had a very small bottle of Volvic water. Mm-hmm. Uh, we walked down and my, my brother-in-law was very quiet for a moment. He's like, I'm going to go back. And I was like, why? He's like, I need to tell them they can't go up the mountain. <laughs> and he went back up the mountain and was like, he told them off and he told them like, you cannot go up in flip-flops. It's irresponsible and that frankly, you don't have enough water. It's going to get dark. And he's like, do you do know there's wild animals in the, on these mountains? And if I was a wild animal, I'd eat your face, that kind of thing. And uh, they sort of were like, no. The guy was like, no, it's okay. It doesn't matter. And uh, he was very concerned as he came down. And we sat in the lake as we'd 
promised each other we would. And after about 10 minutes, we saw them quietly, <laughs> tails between their legs, walking down the mountain. So I, I did think of my brother-in-law when I read this story and how mad he would be with these gentlemen for attempting such a rather idiotic ploy as to climb one of the most dangerous mountains on your first shot. You know, Nick, I think uh, your brother-in-law, Christoph, sounds like a very caring person. I'm, I'm glad he actually told the couple. Uh, He's a good he bloke. probably saved their lives or something. Frankly, it's upsetting how good he is. It's very hard being his brother-in-law because, right, th- uh, here's another story. This is apropos of absolutely nothing, but it is about Christoph, right? Tell me, I'm, I'm all ears. He did sports and he played handball mm. and like, he looks like... If you drew a picture of Hercules, he kind of looks like him, right? Like, Ooh. yeah. He's, I, I, Do I say yeah. some romance? Uh-huh. Anyway, right? It's very upsetting for a man who's quite big, but definitely has a bit of a gut, right? And I look at him. I don't take my T-shirt often off when he's around because it's an awful comparison, You did right? in Yosemite. No, no. It's like, no, no. I certainly didn't. I kept the T-shirt on. I'm no idiot. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, there was he had this thing in his mind when we went to the US he wanted to swim in the Pacific because he wants to swim in all the seas right mm-hmm. which is the kind of thing exactly the kind of thing Christoph would be all about and the best bit about it was and I have the video as well the video evidence we took him to this beach we sat on the beach and we're waiting for Christoph to do his thing and I was like I cut the video and I was like right Christoph go 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 and he took his t-shirt off and there was an audible Ooh, from like about seven <laughs> women <laughs> <laughs> different different areas of the beach you heard at the oldest one. And then he just like ran gracefully into the sea, dived headfirst like he was trained by the experts in Baywatch and swam around a bit, came out to a similar, like a withering <laughs> of all the women as they sort of, literally the sound you would hear of a collection of women swooned. And then he came back and um, yeah. I think I swooned a little bit. You certainly did right now. Well, he's my fucking hero, so. (laughs) I see. Nick has very, very big shoes to fill. He's exactly one size larger in in the foot than I am. It's depressing. It's all very depressing. Some great news in Germany for those who are turning 18 in 2023, because from the second quarter of this year, anyone turning 18 will receive a government payment of 200 euros, but not to be spent on frivolities. It is to be used specifically for cultural activities and products. And uh, these products include things like books, cinema visits, cultural institutions such as museums, record stores. I don't even know if record stores still exist, if I'm honest, but um, record Mm -hmm. stores, um, concerts and theatre and cabarets. And this is an offer that's been made by the government due to the uh, lockdown and a lot of young people missing sort of cultural events and they're trying to boost their cultural awareness and enjoyment through this process and i thought damn this is a great idea if my tax money is going anywhere it's a good place to start do you think it's a good idea dilly or is the government becoming the uncool relative that buys you a birthday gift that no one really wants i think the government is about to find out just how ungrateful this generation is (laughs) 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 they're just trying to buy their votes and yeah yeah, the government hasn't been teaching obviously in schools, so yeah, I'm, I'm I, I want to see the social media posts when the kids get two hundred, two hundred euros each, with a list of the do's and don'ts. Well, the way it's going to work is that 
it's going to be run through an app. So they, I think the money gets loaded onto an account that they can access through the app and then they can pay mm. for whatever it is that they're paying for via that. Mm. So there is some limitations. Mm-hmm. I've got to admit, I'm a bit jealous if I'm honest. And you were sort of saying that they that they might not appreciate it or at least the government might not see the the benefit of the young people's support come election time. But do you think those of us over the age of 18 are going to resent those kids who get their own little cultural budget? I will. (laughs) (laughs) You will. You bastards. We are paying through our noses for increased electricity, um, heating costs, um, food costs twice as much as it did a few months ago. Cheese costs more than it did, Nick. I don't know how you managed to stay alive. And they want to give 200 bucks to kids who've never been to a theater. And it's not because they don't have the money. They have everything on TikTok. But Dilly, the children are our future. You don't even believe that. I can see that in your face. (gasps) I don't care. I think it's great. I think if my money's going to go anywhere, why not put it in the pockets of kids to buy like books and cinema visits and shit. I don't care if they go and see a load of shit at the cinema. This is exactly the way I want my tax money spent. I don't mind them getting it, but the thing is, I would like to get some too. You're going to get your 49 euro ticket come the May or whatever it is that has been announced. But then the little kids with the 200 euros can buy the 49 euro ticket. I want something for me too. Do you know what I'm hearing, Dilly? All I'm hearing is... What have you done for me lately? That's all I'm hearing. What have you done for me lately? Oh, you gave me a 49 euro train ticket. What have you done for me lately? Like, what more do you want? So ungrateful, honestly. Am I? Do I sound ungrateful? (laughs) What would you do? Tell me, Nick. If you had 200 euros to spend on your cultural sensibilities, what would you spend it on? Um, honestly, I would have found a way of cracking the app in order to take that money out of the account so I could spend it on what I really wanted to spend it on. But th- that aside, right? I'd certainly take advantage of cinema visits. And mm. uh, theatre, I think, is something that not everyone has an access to. And I think it's one of those mediums that can often seem a bit intimidating. There's a Bertolt Brecht mm. festival. There's always a Bertolt Brecht festival in Germany somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Of course. But it's ironic that it happens in Augsburg because Brecht's kind of famous for this saying about the best thing about Augsburg is the train to Munich, mm. which is pithy. It sounds Brechtian at least. So I would definitely encourage young people to go see some plays because it can really open some doors. Cabarets, I'm not that asked about. Concerts, definitely. Mm-hmm. Live music is in any form, whether it's just a pub band or something in a big arena can be can be mm. really thrilling as well. But there's a lot of there's like a lot of museums. There's a museum in, in where I live in this small little town that I didn't even know existed. And I was like, oh, I'm definitely going there. That's going to be fun to see. Surely there's got to be some interesting stuff in that museum. Oh, you're a museum guy. Of course oh, you totally. are. Totally. Like whenever me and my wife go anywhere, the first thing she'd say to me is like, what do you want to do? And I'd be like, uh, go to the museum. And she doesn't matter where we are. She's like, what museum? And I don't care. The nearest one. Let's go to a museum. You go to a museum? Oh, no. Oh, I love museums, man. I love like finding out about the local area and finding out about like why, why this is that and how these things work and the history behind it and all that stuff. I oh, always shit. find it really rewarding. Of course, I am a very boring old man, so I can't actually say if that would be the same for, for young people. But uh, what would you spend it on then? I would spend it on books. Just books? Yeah. I mean, 200 doesn't buy many books. Maybe like five or six. Where are you buying your books from? 
What books are you buying? Okay, say uh, 10 books, probably, for 20 bucks each. There's not much. Again, where are you buying your books for 20 bucks each? Which books? Thalia and Hogendubel. I love the name Hogendubel. Have you been to it? No, I haven't. Thalia and Hogendubel are both very large bookshops in Germany. Ah. And I just like the name Hogendubel. The thought is, let's give something to young people in order to reward them for their efforts during the pandemic. I do feel like that's something. The other thought I had, though, is could there be another way that the government could make up for like those losses in the pandemic, aside from things like 49 euro mm-hmm. tickets? Obviously, you want some kind of uh, cheese voucher to buy as much cheese as possible, right? That you were complaining only moments ago about the price of cheese. So I'm assuming some kind of cheese subsidy would cheer you up. It would. My mozzarella is double the cost it used to be. <laughs> How middle class are we? It's like, I need a subsidy on my mozzarella. <laughs> I, I have a feeling I'm not being taken seriously here on the podcast, Nick. Oh, oh I think no, I'm going to really write are. a complaint, okay, maybe and get a free bread from Simon. Um, I mean, jokes aside, I'm very glad that, I mean, the, the kids have missed out on a lot during the pandemic. And I'm glad that they have some money in their hands. I mean, these are also community activities, right? Mm. I mean, they buy books, probably exchange the books. And so you not only buy five books, but you have access to your friends' books, probably. You don't go to the theater on your own. Mm. You don't watch films on your own, mm. concerts. And I mean, it's a sense of community. You're being encouraged to go out mm. and you have some money in your pocket to do that. And I think that's a great initiative, actually. Although I'm not entirely sure why we are already encouraging people to go out in groups when the pandemic is not over. We have just stepped into a new year of a pandemic. I don't know how safe that is. But yeah, I mean, that sort of caution and safety aside, hmm. I, I, mean, it's, I think it's a great initiative. I, I, I don't know whether the kids will see it that way, though. If I turned 18 last year, I'd be a bit annoyed that I'm not getting a handful yeah, of notes. true. But... And why 18? Because I guess they're the ones who suffered most because they were doing the Arbitur and stuff like that and weren't able to sort of celebrate or they were graduating, going into apprenticeships, stuff like that. So Mm. maybe that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, it could be. It's nice to see a government that is using the Mm. money to reward people or give back to people or give like a little dividend to people instead of, Mm. you know, giving it to billionaires in the house of lords or something <laughs> that's yeah, like that's quite true. nice or like yeah. oh we accidentally lost all this money to fraud oh well uh so okay <laughs> maybe that's why i'm so enamored with it it just seems a lot better to waste yeah. the money doing this than it is to waste the money by losing yeah. it to dodgy contracts on ppe and also i think i mean uh the times have been very difficult we just had like we had some money from the state right mm. to mm. pay towards our energy yeah bills. again in december yeah and the kids don't see that money probably mm-hmm. and uh, this is something that they will have in their mm-hmm. hands and parents i can imagine that it must be very expensive right now to bring up children and you can't uh, put that much money towards mm-hmm. entertaining your kids anymore and i'm sure the parents will be grateful and it is like you know the rich relatives stepping in or stepping up as the case may be yeah as long as they're not like my dad who insisted i buy loafers for my 13th birthday Terrible, terrible parenting. <laughs> loafers? Did you not want loafers? Fucking no. I wanted a video game. I was 13. Oh. <laughs> Who wants loafers? 
Maybe Christoph. Maybe Christoph would like loafers. Yeah, Christoph would probably like bloody loafers. He'd probably look amazing mm. in them. This is just... Mm. Oh God, I'm going to have to buy him loafers for his birthday. This is, a, this is the worst. I hope the government gives me a <laughs> subsidy for that. That brings us to the end of the show. We are off to buy Nick a pair of loafers. Me and the producer think he'll look very nice in them. I won't look nice in them. Oh, I hate this. <laughs> if you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also rate us on Spotify, so chuck some stars our way there as well. Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag DecadesFromHome, or lowercase on Twitter or Instagram. You can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com slash DecadesFromHome and contributing to help keep this boat afloat. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Dillion at Dillialgama, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on decadesfromhome at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%german.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks, and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss! Tschüss!